Ads, schmads. If you don't want ads, that's okay. Choose the Dave McWilliams Plus option on Apple Podcasts. And hey, presto, no ads. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by Acast. How are you doing there? It is podcast time and it is very, very strange, strange days. Not just geopolitics, which is awful, but also in the economy, John, also in small politics, local politics here, but also in the States yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, in one year's time, John. Yeah, as in from 2024. Today, yes. When this goes out you will have the American election. And this is an election of enormous consequence, simply because your friend is back yeah. in the ring, but also, as we're going to talk to Ed Luce of the Financial Times, Joe Biden's fortunes are now tied at the hip to Benjamin Netanyahu. Yeah. And this is exactly what the Democrats don't want. How did he get there? Well, I mean, we, that's exactly he, what happened. You know, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. And, and right now... So by giving Netanyahu the bear hug two weeks ago, he has, in effect, put himself as the guarantor of Netanyahu's, the underwriter of Netanyahu's actions in the world. Yeah. Because Netanyahu doesn't care what the world thinks. But Biden has to care about the world thing because he's the president of the United States. Absolutely. I was surprised that Biden... Yeah. Well, look, we will talk to Ed Luce about that yeah. in a couple of minutes. Also, John... Go this on. this last three days, we've had we work out of business. Yes. We yes. have Sam Bankman-Fried charged and committed, convicted of fraud. Yeah. Sam Bankman, not so freed. No. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Yes. And we have, did you ever hear about these bored ape NFTs? No. Well, they, they? they were little images of bored apes that you could buy and that gave you access to an online club, right? And in the online club where people like Snoop Dogg. Right. right. Now, this is, right. right? This, Do you get to hang out with Snoop so, Dogg? So this is, though, no, but online, you might get to hang out, <laughs> right? Right. This is what I would call peak bullshit, right? Yeah. Peak bullshit is FTX and his crypto gang, yes. right? Yes, Okay, so yeah. SBF and his FTX exchange and robbing $9 billion of people's money. Yes. Right? Peak bullshit. We work, complete peak bullshit, company that was worth 
at the top of the market, $45 billion, and it's now bankrupt, right? In 24 months. Unbelievable. And then this other wankology, the NFTs, right? All functions of zero interest rates. All functions of low, low, low interest just, rates. Just, just, sorry, sorry, sorry. Before you get into that, because I want to ask you about the interest rates and all the serious stuff, just go back to the board apes for a second. <laughs> board apes. I can't get my head right. around that. This is, this is millennial Gen Z madness, right? Yeah. Like this is the financial <laughs> equivalent of doing rakes of mushrooms, okay? <laughs> right? <laughs> And just tripping off your head. But not as much fun. (laughs) But not as much fun, exactly. Not as much fun. Tripping off your head in a parallel universe set up by zero interest rates. So if you imagine zero interest rates, so money has to have a price. Yes. Because money has value. Yes. And if the central banks, and I know why they did it. They did it during the pandemic. They had to do it because there was this act of God, which was the pandemic, and you had to react to it. You know, there was no other way. You couldn't have said, well, you guys can't go to work. And you know what? States, you can't borrow to give people money. And we're going to impoverish people as well as terrorise them. So you can't do that, right? Sorry, I thought you made you react to it by taking mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best way to react to a pandemic, surely. (laughs) This is the financial equivalent of a mental mushroom trip, right? Yeah. WeWork was a subleasing firm. Yeah, right? subletting. That's all it was doing. It was like, but that, but that's it. That was the whole business model. Like they rented a property from one fella, yeah. and then put a lick of paint on it and subletted and to somebody started else. Started up the office, yeah, and then assumed that the whole world was going to be working from offices. When in actual fact, the pandemic caused people to do the opposite, right? Which yeah. is everybody worked from home. But in fairness, there was no way of predicting no, that. No, but the valuations of the companies was driven by zero interest rates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether it's crypto, whether it's board apes, John, or whether it's <laughs> or whether it's WeWork, right? Yeah. So in almost 36 hours, the three biggest champions of this la la land economy have fallen to earth. Right, And what it shows you is we're going into a new phase. And the reason it's important is money always has to have a positive price. Mm. And the reason that is, is that lenders have to be rewarded for lending at a certain stage. Savers have to be rewarded for savings so that those funds can actually be channeled to borrowers. Yeah, And so the rate of interest is the price at which people willingly lend and willingly borrow. And that has to, at a certain stage, be positive. This is why the zero interest rates of the pandemic period were the lowest rate of interest in 5,000 years. Because we have evidence, I've told you before about Kushim, haven't I? Yes, yeah. Right, so Kushim is our first man that we know was borrowing money to... He was the beer maker. He was the beer maker in the Sumerian civilization, right? right? So we're talking about 3,000 years before Christ, right? So 5,000 years ago, a long time ago, interest rates have never been zero. That was... So you go back 5,000 years. And of course, what you had is what economists call malinvestments. Now that reads an awful word, right? Mm. But what it means is that companies that wouldn't be otherwise financed were financed valuations that wouldn't be otherwise stratospheric became stratospheric. And of course, that sucked in people into the vortex of speculation because they saw their neighbour getting rich. Yeah. And how do they see their neighbour getting riches? On mad things like bored apes, little yeah. pixels of bored apes, cartoons. And of course, 
you know, grifters of all classes came into that and got involved. And of course, what you had was all these A-list celebrities who were paid by these companies to front. And that's where Snoop Dogg came in. Exactly. And Justin Bieber and... All these geezers, yeah. right? Okay, so they were all paid to pretend that they were buying this stuff. This stuff goes through the roof in value because mm. they have these guys. And it's also an online phenomenon, right? It's a, it's a Reddit, Twitter phenomenon. And, and what you have, therefore, is exactly the same boom-bust cycle that we've seen thousands of times, but this time it's amplified by social media and it's yeah. amplified by zero interest rates. Yeah. And this is what we're seeing and it's all coming crashing well, down. You, you know, in the, the last few years that we've been doing this podcast yes. and me listening to you, we've covered all sorts of topics. But if there's one thing or two things that I've learned in all of this time is people are mad. Absolutely. And the second one is whoever controls the interest rates controls everything. You're absolutely right. And that is why you and Nathan Rothschild are on the same page because <laughs> Rothschild was the man who said, I care not about the man who controls the army. Show me the man who controls the money and I'll show you the man uh-huh. who controls the world. And that was his idea because he said, you're absolutely right. You know, mm. whoever has their hands on the cash and controls the rate of interest basically controls the base price of the economy. Yeah. And by controlling the base price of the economy, everything else readjusts around that price. And now as that price increases, everything else is readjusting and a lot of it's readjusting downwards in a dramatic way. WeWork being the great example. So WeWork is a massive, massive organisation across the global organisation. Was, was, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. What happens now? What, what's the impact? What's the ripple effect of that? Well, the ripple effect normally is that well, first of the major ripple effects is lots of people lose a lot of money. Yeah. Right? That's the first one, right? So in, for example, the Bankman Free case, you know, many, many thousands of people lost many, many hundreds of thousands of dollars on his exchange and on the fact that their money was being used to subsidize his own hedge fund. And when they went looking for their money back, it was all gone. Mm, right. Yeah. WeWork is an example of somebody, as you said, basically being a subletter yeah, and telling the world that this is a new way of doing work and we're going to change and it's going to be this, that. The great thing about speculative manias is they always involve a technology that suggests that the world is about to change. That's always the case, yeah, right? Yeah. So it was railway shares in the last, you know, years ago. It was, you know, subprime was a mortgage product. We were talking about people who couldn't get mortgages, were going to get mortgages. You know, the dot-com boom, all these things, because technology, because a boost in technology or a new technology has the potential to change the world. It therefore has the potential to make loads and loads of money. And the story can be spun that you're, in the vanguard of some great social change. So that's what happens. People feel, I'm in this new club Mm. and everybody else doesn't get it. I get it. And the people who don't get it, they're kind of behind. And we're kind of pioneers and they're just settlers and we're the pioneer spirit. And what happens to the pioneers? They usually get an arrow in the head. That's what happened to them. (laughs) The settlers got the farm. If you actually think of what happened. So this moment in economics is now coming, John, at a moment in politics. And this is what I want to say. So it's, it's, it's like a perfect storm as we go into the American election cycle. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't have actually written this script in a slightly more terrifying way 
than what is going to play out in the United States. So why don't we go to the States, talk to Ed Luce, who is the FT's superb columnist in America. He's been a friend of, of the podcast. He's yep. come to Dorky over the years. He's got an amazing brain. And he's saying some fascinating things about Joe Biden. So let's go to New York. Ed, great to see you. How are you? Always a pleasure, David. I'm well. Now, tell me, you wrote a fascinating piece about the fact that Joe Biden is now tied at the hip to Benjamin Netanyahu. And this is a serious dilemma for Biden. Explain to me and the listeners what what your thinking is. Well, uh, well, thank you, first of all, having me on and for, for saying that about the piece. Uh, I headlined it in the albatross, the Netanyahu albatross around Biden's neck, because Biden, you know, clearly feels he has no choice, both because of his own personal lifelong affection for Israel, his horror at what Hamas did on October the 7th, um, but also politics. He feels he has no choice but to hug Israel close, and that way he can buy himself influence to try and prevent, um, clearly it's failing, but to try and prevent um, overreaction, vengeance-driven reaction by Israel in the Gaza Strip. But unfortunately, with Netanyahu, the sort of ultimate Houdini of Israel politics, the longest-serving Israel prime minister, multiply indicted for corruption, completely exposed by what happened on October the 7th for negligence on a scale Israel's never seen before. Um, Unfortunately, that that Biden strategy of hugging close just does not work with a character like this. He will use and is using this war to try and prolong his prime ministership, which if there were an election held in Israel right now, you know, he would be thrown out of office and doubtless into jail. Yes. Because those cases are getting hotter. And so Biden's caught in a quandary because he cannot repudiate Israel. But with Netanyahu there, Biden's going to be taking the hit globally for all of these excesses, these civilian deaths, these, the court of global public opinion will punish Biden for it. And quite possibly the younger progressives who he needs to vote for him in next year's presidential election will do so too. No, absolutely. And we're going to, we're going to come to the, what is on the horizon. And I know it's a year away, but it's a year away this weekend. So we will talk about the American election, the runners and riders and what's happening. And of course, the return of the man with the yellow, with the yellow hair and the orange face. We'll talk about him in two seconds, right? But I want to come back to the, the politics and the geopolitics of the war in Palestine. Explain to me how this plays out for Biden from where you're sitting. So he is at an incredibly delicate moment. I mean, we do keep saying this, but this is true squared right now, geopolitically. We have a a stalemate, essentially, on the ground in Ukraine. Russia building up forces, partly on the back of revenues from higher oil prices, to stock up its munition capability to try and push back some of the Ukrainian gains of the last two years. And a situation with Iran, of course, in the Middle East, as the chief sponsor of Hamas, of Hezbollah, of the Houthi in in Yemen, where this could very well tip over into a regional war in the Middle East. And then, of course, China, which has, partly because of Biden's efforts, the situation with China isn't as tense as it was three, four months ago. There's been a sort of real attempt to stabilize and calm within a Cold War context. 
US-China relations. But nevertheless, this is also an opportunity for China. Whilst America is heavily involved in two proxy wars, backing Israel and backing Ukraine, it's a very, very tempting moment for an embattled Xi Jinping, who's, you know, lost the magic of Chinese growth and lost a lot of respect because of his completely sort of misconceived COVID strategy in China. It's a tempting moment for him in Taiwan. So geopolitically, it's really, it's very, very dangerous. But in terms of Biden's sort of core geopolitical philosophy, which is America is the backbone and the upholder of the liberal international order, this exposes him to, I think, very, very harsh winds from critics in the global South and in the West, and of course, amongst the alliance of the aggrieved, the Chinese, the Russians, etc., to say, look, you claim Putin shouldn't target civilians. What, what on earth is Israel doing? You don't just have double standards. You have like overt, brazen, shameless double standards. And, and the, more, the more this goes on, the more Biden's fondest hope, which is to restore what Trump undid, and that is America's moral leadership, starts to dissolve. No, absolutely. Now, I'm going to put something to you. I was I was listening to the uh, the very impressive Noah Smith over the weekend at our festival down here in Kilkenny. And he was saying that it was only a matter of time, he felt, that America's resources, America's main issue now is Asia and China. And it's only a matter of time before they begin to pull out of or at least disengage from the Middle East. And this would be strategically a very, very sensible thing to do looking forward to the next 100 years as a major geostrategic player in the world. Is there a sense now that this is a cul-de-sac out of which the Americans can't get? I, I would go more with the premise to your question than um, Noah's a very smart observer of, of things. So I respect what he says. But If your goal is just forgetting October the 7th and forgetting what's happened for a moment in the last few weeks in Israel, if your goal is to take on China as the aspiring hegemon that's challenging you in that position, well, China is moving into the Middle East. China is moving into Africa. China is moving into Latin America. So the logic actually compels you to deal with China and to be more present in terms of just bilateral relations with countries in those regions than you were before. If your goal is to is to prevent China's challenge from succeeding, you have to speak to the global South. You have to engage with the global South. And the Middle East is very much part of it. I think that the fact that Iran's closest sponsor is China, it's China that's been keeping Iran's you know oil flowing and revenues flowing back to Iran, That's clearly a part of this. And the strength of the pro-Israeli lobby in the United States, all of these make it very unlikely. I I imagine what Noah said was that, you know, America is self-sufficient in energy nowadays. And the Middle East, therefore, just doesn't play the same role as it used to. But global energy markets are global. Prices are global. And therefore, I'm not sure that even that argument works. I don't expect America will engage from the Middle East. Will disengage from the Middle East. Okay, so Ed, let's let's talk about the coming few days and weeks. We are seeing the Israelis on the ground seem to have sealed off Gaza City. We're not too sure what this entails. 
I'm not too sure. Nobody knows how this, this thing plays out. But it's very, very clear that Biden is in bed with somebody who is not concerned about American public opinion. No, not not remotely. He's not even concerned about Israeli public opinion. In fact, he's not even concerned about the opinion of the Israeli military. He has been consistently, or at least frequently, since October the 7th, passing the buck for what happened, for the fact that Israel was caught napping in a sort of epic way. He's been passing the buck to the military, to Shin Bet, to other political figures, anybody but him. So he doesn't care about Biden, that any damage that's done to Biden. There's one thing he cares about, and that is to prolong his political career and save himself from jail. Um, and that's, you know, don't, don't rely on my word for it. Read not just the sort of critical papers on the left in Israel, like Haaretz, but read some of the supportive ones, or at least formally supportive ones, like the Jerusalem Post. He is a discredited figure who, who has only his own interests very personal interests in mind here. So this is a this is a terrible situation for Biden because he is essentially saying, I will take on your pain. Yes. Um, in exchange for which I will share your burden, at least, in exchange for which you will allow me to exercise moral suasion on how you conduct this war. And if you listen to Netanyahu in the last few days, he is saying very plainly, nope, you're not going to persuade me to do this any differently. Um, he gave a speech last week in which he said, look, you dropped bombs on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. You bombed Dresden. The British bombed a children's hospital. They missed the Nazi headquarters in Copenhagen and killed 100 kids in next door. We didn't blame you for that. We understood that this was collateral damage from a righteous cause. And you're not going to blame us for what we're doing. That's essentially what he's saying. These are preposterous analogies by the way absolutely but they are but analogies nonetheless and they they do they do reveal a state of mind and they do reveal a worldview and and a national view and that's where the democratic party is stuck this is what interests me we're 12 months away from an election i mean israel and palestine is going to be front page news all year no matter what happens and the democratic party are now, hand in glove with Netanyahu, in Europe, this is causing massive divisions. The European street, such as it is, is Palestinian and has been Palestinian and is, is, is overwhelmingly Palestinian now. European governments are finding this very, very difficult to thread. How do they negotiate this? All the while, the progressives in America, the, the young progressives, let's focus on this, around the AOCs, just in terms of personalities, they are clearly going to make this a massive election issue. Yes, it's going to be it's going to be a real problem for Biden. I, I don't think it's that the young or Arab Americans or Muslim Americans would switch and support Trump. I think that the danger for Biden is twofold. One is that they might sit on their hands and turn out is king in presidential elections nowadays. You need your people to come out. Or two, they could vote for a third-party candidate, split the vote, and let Trump in that way. And um, one of whom, as you know, is Cornell West, the African-American scholar who's, you know, picking up a lot of sort of stray leftist support. Not not huge in the numbers right now, but you don't need to be huge in the numbers to switch an election. 
you you know just remember yeah. Ralph Nader in, I mean, in 2000 Ralph Ralph Nader facilitated George Bush I mean people he forget that indeed. people forget that that without Nader Bush wouldn't have won he you know? did. And of course, he did get some help from the Supreme Court. But, you know, um, Trump could rely on that, too. Yeah. Nowadays. Yeah, he can. Absolutely. That's that's true. And so, you know, that's not a sort of a guardrail anymore. RFK Jr., Bobby Kennedy's son, is also running as a third party candidate. He was initially contesting the Democratic nomination. Then he just switched to become an independent. He's polling in the double digits. Which is extraordinary. I mean, he is a complete anti-vaxxer. He has all kinds of very eccentric sort of nut job kinds of views. But he picks up a certain, you know, where that horseshoe meets, where the far left become the far right. Yep. A certain sort of hatred of the deep state and of science and of, you know, common sense, rational (laughs) thinking that does get traction in American politics nowadays. And so that plus his name, which gives you a little bit of name recognition oomph, means that this is a very, very dangerous, very, very dangerous year ahead for America and for Biden. And does Kennedy take more from Biden than Trump? Because he's because what you've described are kind of Trump supporters as well. I mean, the, the conspiracy deep state, the anti-vaccine, all that sort of stuff is in the Trump territory. That's true. Of course, before Trump, it was mostly left territory. Yes, that's true. So, I mean, remember the anti-vaxxer stuff and the fluoride in our water. I mean, this is sort of Portland, what we would have before Trump thought of as Portland, Oregon. But the right then took that up under Trump. So it's hard to say whether he'd actually take more from Biden than he would from Trump. It's quite conceivable he would. And then given the sort of vagaries of the Electoral College, where he would pick those up would become critical. It is worth stressing, there are half a million Arab Americans in Michigan. Hello. Michigan key swing state. It's a really important swing state. Biden has to win Michigan. And if they don't vote, I mean, half a million, by the way, is a multiple of what Biden won Michigan by in 2020. So if they don't vote or they switch to a third party candidate, he's going to lose Michigan. He'll need to pick up somewhere, you know, unlikely. Okay. And before you go, I have to ask you about your man, Trump. I mean, just give me the brief, the briefest, but what's the Trump position now? What's the Trump situation? The Trump situation is, you know, he's got this civil trial going on in New York for fraud, and he's already been declared a fraud by the judge. But the question is how much of a fine he will pay and whether he'll ever be able to do business in New York again. There is that going on. But we have um, all the criminal trials coming up too. But, you know, the old phrase, justice delayed is justice denied. I mean, they're starting most of them, particularly the big ones, the federal one, uh, federal ones rather, on the documents, um, the classified documents, and then on the insurrection of January the 6th. And the Georgia one about basically trying to trying to flip an election, they're all starting next spring. Now, any one of these could result in a jail sentence, perhaps all of them. But A, does that happen in time? And B, even if it does happen in time, he's totally entitled to run from jail. In fact, it's happened before. And Has it it happened before? Yes. No way. Yes. In 1920, Eugene Debs, the socialist candidate, presidential candidate, who was jailed for being a pacifist in the First World War, he won 5% of the vote from From his From his cell. And you can be president from your cell. You can govern from your cell. But this, this doesn't bear thinking about. It doesn't. This is a possibility. 
Season seven of America is just getting more and more improbable. <laughs> just finally, before we go, Ed, the very serious point is two men facing corruption charges, Netanyahu and Trump, may well are actually have the fate of the United States in their palms. That's extraordinary. Yeah, they do. I mean, and Netanyahu is the sort of uh, Trump. He's the original Trump. He's the basic prototype. I mean, I think he's a smarter version of Trump. And tiny, tiny margins could determine, in my view, whether the liberal democratic model survives or not. And, and that sounds like hyperbole. I don't think it is. If you look at what Trump plans to do, and these are open plans, there's something called um, Action 2025, which is the Trump team. He will not have any adults in the room this time. He will have true believers who will enforce everything he wants. And he wants to prosecute his enemies. And he wants to jail them, including people we saw as arch henchmen and loyalists like Bill Barr, his attorney general, Mark Milley, uh, the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, um, John Kelly, his former chief of staff. He wants to put them in jail and they are drawing up plans to do that. And for him to declare, to invoke the Insurrection Act, which allows him to put the military on the streets, on day one of his next presidency. These are explicit Trump plans. That's kind of extraordinary. That is, it's, yeah. it's, it's, like the, it's like the mob boss gets back in and then seeks retribution. Yeah, first time it's shame on him. Second, it would be shame on us because we would know exactly what is coming. Ed, we will leave it there. Pretty, kind of chilling note, very, very chilling note and pretty chilling, I mean, Awful times, no matter which way you, you look at it. These are not good times. But Ed, thank you so much. And I will talk to you soon, hopefully. Always a pleasure, David. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. By the way, that was, of course, the brilliant Ed Loose there, but John is loving this because 
Trump is back on his radar screen. Yes. It animates my friend, gets on his wick. But you you were just saying there that, that he's like a, a, or he could be himself and Vinny are like two mob bosses from a jail cell, basically running the world, you know? But th- I, it's not, it's not impossible to imagine that. But you, you know, when you were saying that about revenge, like yeah. he, he said, and I, I saw an interview with him recently and he said, the one thing that he relishes and revels in is revenge. He prides himself on getting people back and he takes pleasure out of it. So all of the shit that's gone on this year and the, and the, the courts and the, you know, the charges here, there and everywhere, he has his little black book that if, God forbid, he gets into power next year, he is going to go through his little black book and... You know, God knows what you well, well, see, you the, have Letitia James in cement <laughs> shoes at the bottom of the Hudson or whatever. Exactly. But I mean, the problem with all this, John, is that what you have is two very, very extremely dysfunctional males, mm. extremely dysfunctional males. Like revenge is such a basic instinct. There's nothing sophisticated about revenge. There is nothing nuanced about revenge. Revenge is one of the most awful parts of the human condition, you know, that because the person who seeks revenge is never generous. They never give people the benefit of the doubt. There's something deep inside them that wants to hurt others the way they have been hurt. Mm. And the people who usually put vengeance at the core of their beliefs as a general rule, and we meet them in, 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 in daily life, right? These are deficient, deficient people. And we're in a situation now where two of the most deficient, the most self-regarding, the most vile political leaders that democracies can produce have got to the situation where they now control the place. Yeah. And what they do will have consequences beyond. I mean, we spoke on the podcast, the live podcast the other day about the idea that a third person comes through takes votes from Biden and yeah. puts Trump into power. Now, what Ed just, and we'll probably leave it here, but what he outlined was that Trump has said, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. So if you vote for him, you know what's coming down the tracks. And we know that what happens to these type of people is everybody says, don't worry, the institutions of state are strong enough. You know that idea yeah. that, you know, the army is independent, the police force is independent, the judiciary, the State Department. We always assume that the institutions of democracy are stronger than the instincts of those type of leaders. But that might not be the case. 